0: How's everyone doing? Good? Not bad? Um It's good to be in church, isn't it? Yes. It's uh it's good to be with you. Um on Wednesday night, uh I talked to the pop up guys about one of my fondest memories. And uh those who are at pop up probably don't want me to share that again. No. No. So I'm not going to share that fondest memory, but I do. <laughs> but I do want us to consider. It's a different crowd here, kind of a bit more subdued. But uh, well, come and talk to me after. Just like Damien, come and talk to me after, and I'll I'll let you know all the details. But um, it, it has something to do with breaking wind. So that's. Uh, so, so you don't want to hear about that. Not at all. But um, I, I have been considering your fondest memories, and I I don't know if if I was to ask people in this room your fondest memories. Like for me, it wasn't actually that time. I was actually not telling the truth on the uh, at pop-up because my fondest memories were like my wedding day, like when Julie and I tied the knot. That was that was a fond memory. It was like 30, nearly 30 years ago, so it's hard to remember now. But there's a a, a faint memory there. I remember smiling a lot. And uh, it was a great day. And then like the times when my children were born, uh, I won't tell you which order is the fondest to the next. But um, Emma nearly killed her mother, so that wasn't a fond memory. It was a pretty rough day. But uh, it still was a great day. And I'm sure if I asked you guys your fondest memories, that they would involve the people in your life. Is that true? That uh, you think about your fondest memory, your greatest day, the day that you loved the most. And, and, uh, I, and I, I've been thinking about that because over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this fight of faith. And, and that our fight of faith is uh, a really important part of our walk with God and the idea is that as a church I I really believe God is bringing us into a new season something new and something fresh and uh, but I also believe that it's not just going to happen it's not just going to be something where we just flick the switch and all of a sudden there it is it's something we're going to have to work at. it's something we're going to have to fight for and I shared a few weeks ago about the fact that the Bible says that as Christians, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't, it's not all about confrontation and attack and, and, and shaking cages and things like that. It's, it's, it's more about, as I shared, about taking a posture of humility. Taking a posture, and it's wonderful to hear Hamish's encouragement today, a posture where we understand we're all equal. That no one is better than anyone else. The Bible talks about don't think of yourself better than you ought. And, and, uh, and that's the posture we should take. And, and I shared a couple of weeks ago about the fact that God has given us his armour. It's not our armour, it's God's armour. And God's armour is everything he has given us so that we can walk this walk of faith. So that we can fight this fight of faith. The armour he's given us is salvation. The armour he's given us is righteousness. The armour he's given us is peace and truth and his word and the shield of faith. And all of this armour is there so that we can remind ourselves not of what we can do but of what God has done for us. And once we put on that armour we are then to stand in prayer. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we're to stand in what God has done for us and pray and seek Him to pray for each other and to pray for our world. And so, the next thing I want to look at in this fight of faith to build upon the humility and the armor that God has given us is the idea that we are in this together. That God didn't call us to do this alone, but He called us into His army. And in His army, Yes, he's given us his armour, but he's also given us each other to support and help each other to do this. So I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to get into this idea of us doing it together, and the relationships that are required for that to happen. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are speaking to us as a church, and I just pray that you would Guide us and lead us into all truth. That we would stand in a place today that we would hear your word and begin to apply it to our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Going to have a drink. The truth is, relationships are really, really important to our walk of faith, to the fight of faith. Uh, The reality is we cannot do it alone. God never created us to do it alone. Uh, He always invited us into his family, into his body, and into his army. And like I've said here many times before, just like trees are at their best when they are in forests, we are at our best when we are in community. That's the, the truth of the matter. Even in the Garden of Eden, when... It was Adam and God. And some of us like to think, all I need is God. I don't need anyone else because we've been hurt and damaged so much by our world and church and all of that stuff. That we go, I just, I just need God and me. But it was just God and Adam in the Garden of Eden. And what did God say to Adam? It's not good for man to be alone. God then created Eve because he knew what God was giving Adam needed to be shared. It couldn't be contained. It needed to be shared with others. And this is what Rick Warren talks about when he says he created mankind in his image with the purpose of relationship in mind. We were created for community, fashioned for fellowship, and formed for his family. We cannot exist in isolation. God created us for relationship. And obviously, firstly, for relationship with him. But as I get older, and I hope wiser, I'm beginning to understand more and more that just as important is our relationship with each other. And you go, what do you mean by that, Ben? Well, I had this thought this week, is that the truth of the incarnation tells us why human relationships are so important. If you don't know what the incarnation is, the incarnation is when God sent his son Jesus to become a human and to become like us. And we know that he did that so he could save the world, that he could bring salvation, that he could, he could make things right and reconnect us back to God. But I also think that God did it because he understood that we would never fully understand God's nature and character until we saw it in human form, till we saw it as we are. That this is the reality of of what God was trying to do is He understood that up until that time, all that would happen is that God would be in heaven, or God would, you know, be in that other place, and people would, some people would hear from Him, and they would tell people about Him, but it would only be secondhand news. It would only be like from a second person, and and so people would think, oh, this is what God is like, or oh, this is what. But God realized that we would never fully understand his nature and his character until we saw it in human flesh. And this is why the incarnation is so important. And this is why um, our relationships with each other are so important. Because think of this, because the Bible teaches us that when we become Christians, so when we invite God into our life, when we when we repent of our sins and we ask God to to come into our life and we put our life in his hands the bible tells us that God puts his presence in us that he gives us his holy spirit isn't that right so he places his holy spirit in us and this is this is the exciting thing the amazing thing is that his presence in us is then meant to show His presence to the world around us. Think about that for a moment. The Bible describes it like this. Jesus in us, the hope of glory. Jesus in us, not just the hope of glory for us that one day we would have eternal life, but Jesus in us, the hope of glory to the world around us, that they would see in us God as well. So Jesus didn't just come... In flesh to show us what God is like but he also came in flesh to show us what we could be like and in showing us what we could be like we could show others as well what they could be like with God this is why relationships with one another are so important we can't and we're never meant to do this alone Obviously, we think about it, yes, our relationships with one another support each other. But what's even more incredible about our relationships with one another is that in our relationships with one another, we can experience God himself. I love this quote from Victor Hugo. He wrote Les Miserables, and it's in there, whether you've seen the movie or the, the, the show or read the book. But he says, to love another person is to see the face of God. To love another person is to see the face of God. I have this strong conviction that we will never experience the fullness of God in our lives until we share it with others, with other humans. That's where we discover the true nature of God. I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few weeks and uh, I come to share it today and I'm sort of, you might think, oh, you're being a bit serious, Ben, but I really feel like this is a really critical thing for us to grab a hold of. And a few years ago, we talked about this subject a little bit when we talked about the one another's and each other's. Some of you, a lot of you are new, but some of you, it was about six years ago we did it and I really felt compelled that we should look at it again. But I was wrestling with it a bit because I was like, God, should we go over old ground? And I went to a pastor's conference last week and lo and behold, one of the key speakers started to talk about the one another's and each other's. And I'm like, okay, God, you're speaking. And so I really believe this is really important because God wants to remind us that strengthening our relationships with each other is a part of what he wants to do in this new season. And that God can't do what he wants to do unless we strengthen our relationships with one another and each other. Strong and healthy relationships are vital in this fight for our faith. The early church understood this and that's why in the New Testament alone there are over 70 references to one another or each other. And these are like a how-to for us to have relationships. They are like, they give us some clear guidelines on the way we are to treat each other, but also they give us a guideline to how we are to live our lives for God, and in doing this we become a beacon of light for God as well. Now the actual word, I haven't got it up on the screen, but the actual word in the Greek for one another, so this is your Greek for the week, is alelon, say that with me. Good effort. Let's try it again. Alalon, alalon. Now, here's a bit of grammar for you. This is a reciprocal pronoun. I had no idea what that is, but uh, uh, but I read about it, and it simply means that the encouragement and edification we give is to be a mutual beneficial activity. What does that mean? Simply means that when when we love one another, or we encourage one another or we submit to one another that it's not just good for the person we do it to it's actually good for both parties involved so get this if I love Damien the way Jesus tells me to love Damien that I'd love him as Jesus loves me it's not only good for Damien how wonderful that would be for him but it actually would be really great for me It'll actually be important for me and so in that exchange with each other what happens is we experience God himself. We experience God's love. I show Damien God's love and he receives it and I begin to understand what it's like to show God's love and what it's like to be a child of God. Does that make sense? So what what we're going to look at is these one another's and each other's and if we got the Usher's, uh, the, the hospitality team, they, if you want to hand them out, I've printed off a copy for each of you, a bit of a summary. So you're going to pass them along. And in, in, the, um, in the summary, there's also scriptures that you can look up later if you want to read them for yourselves. But these are something for you to keep. Um, put it in your Bible, put it on your fridge, put it in your toilet, somewhere where you can read it and remind yourself wherever you spend lots of time, and uh, in your car, put it on your windscreen, wherever you want to do it, as you're driving, right in front, and then you really will need to practice love for one another when you run into someone. Car's probably not a bad idea, because that's probably one of the places I get tested the most in loving other people. Isn't that right? Does anyone... Think of other people, and you you don't have to put your hand up. This might be my confession, but you think, "How can that person be so stupid?" Is that anyone have that thought? Yes, yes. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, yeah. It's my. I need to confess. So hopefully, everyone's got one. I've got them up on the screen as well for you. If we can click on that. My clicker's not working. Thank you. So the first one, the most obvious one, is that we'd love one another. There's like literally over 20 references to loving one another. We are to be devoted to one another. We are to honour one another above ourselves, which we heard about. We are to live in peace and harmony with one another. And this one, don't pass judgment on one another. So not all the one another's are nice and fluffy. Some of them are actually quite challenging. Accept and care for one another. Instruct one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. If you're Italian, that's quite the case. (laughs) It's obviously cultural. It's not not telling you that everyone needs to start kissing here. It's a cultural thing of that day. But there is the idea, idea that we actually do greet one another, that you walk in a room that you say hello. Did your mum ever tell you that? My mum used to tell me that a lot. Make sure you say hello to people when we walk in. Go and say hello to Uncle Tony and Auntie Angela and all of those people. Like, Make sure you say hello. And that, who's It's nothing worse than someone walking into the room and not even acknowledging you. uh, So we're to greet one another. We're to agree with one another. We're to encourage and build one another up and to serve one another humbly in love. I think my clicker's died, sorry. Must do, must have. Bear with one another in love and carry each other's burdens. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. If you read that scripture, it says we're to forgive each other as God has forgiven us. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That sounds lovely, doesn't it? That's what we were doing this morning as we were worshipping together. Submit to one another. Here's another one. Don't slander or grumble against one another. Everyone's been in a situation or a church where you've been slandered or grumbled against? It's not a nice experience. Offer hospitality and have fellowship with one another. Be humble toward one another. Have the same attitude towards each other that Jesus had. Do what is good for each other. Confess our faults to each other and pray for each other. Now, you look at that list. I don't know about you, but when I look at that, that's hard. That's not easy. Some of those things are difficult not to do, or like or to do. Uh, sometimes we we find it difficult to do that, and and this is the good thing is that the Bible tells us and explains to us that if we're going to do this the way that we are to do it is that we would take on the same attitude or the same mindset as Jesus and it says in Romans 15:5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had and in Philippians two five, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. So displaying and practicing these one another and each others is only really possible in the first place is if we have a relationship with Jesus. That's where it begins. So that's your starting point. And if you are struggling with it, the best thing you can come back to to start with is to come back to God and say, God, I put my life in Your hands. Uh, afresh I, I'm sorry forgive me for not doing what I should be doing but I, I, I need your help and if there's anyone in this room that's never done that then I would encourage you to do that and feel free to come and talk to me after the service and we can talk about it and pray it together but it's a it's it's the starting point and in, in that place when we have a relationship with Jesus we begin to understand that our purpose and the reason we exist is to have a relationship with God, not just once, but in every part of our lives. So this is really important for us to understand because God did not save us to fulfill a task. And I say that really strongly because so often we get caught up in the church about doing things. And we get stuck on doing things. And we think doing things is the most important thing like doing all these one another's and each other's. Yes, they're important. But the the reality is that God called us to live a life that expresses to the world around us and shows the world around us what God is actually like. And when we do that, then we enrich the world around us. So this is why God sent his son Jesus. And as to set us, when God says, have the same mindset of Jesus, he sent us Jesus to show us what that mindset looks like. Does that make sense? So I talked about the incarnation. He sent us a, a, a live human version. So we can't say, oh, but he was God, and he, so he had an advantage over us. No, the Bible says that he was as human as you and I. In the message, it describes it as that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Like he became your new neighbor and so that means that, he it explains that he experienced everything as we experience it. So do you understand that? Jesus could have caught COVID. He, couldn't, he knows what it's like to have a runny nose and feel like rubbish. He knows, he knows what it's like to be betrayed by people. He knows exactly what you're feeling when your parents let you down. He knows all these things because he was human just like you and I. That's why he says that he can sympathize with our weaknesses because he's been tempted in all ways like we have been tempted. So in Jesus we have this example, this incredible authentic example of, of a person who had a, a relationship with the Father. And in that he was able to have this attitude, these attitudes that we can learn from. So when, when Jesus was in, here on earth, he not only made a way for us to reconnect with the Father, but he, made, he showed us what it looks like to be in relationship with the Father. So he showed us what it looks like to be a child of God. And so in Philippians 2, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of Christ Jesus. And if we read on in the next few verses... We discover what those attitudes were. And these are the attitudes that I believe if we make these attitudes our goal and our objective, that they will then be, the natural result of these attitudes will be all of those one another and each other's that you're reading on that piece of paper. Does that make sense? So let's have a look at it now. In Philippians 2, 5 to 8, it says, Who being in the very nature of God, this is talking about Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So there again you see that he became human like you and I. He knows exactly what you're going through. And being found... In appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So in this passage we see three things, or three attitudes, or three mindsets that Jesus did that we can learn from. And these three mindsets are what should underline all our relationships. So, if you want to know how you can not grumble against each other and how you can love each other, how you can forgive one another, and how you can pray for each other, then these mindsets need to be the foundation of how you build relationships. The first one up there is sacrifice. Jesus laid down his life, he laid down his divinity, he laid down his life for us, he became a servant. And so the first thing we need to do is give what we have to God and let him make something of it. So often we think of sacrifice and we get all all worked up about it. Oh, Does that mean I have to give up this and give up that and, and not do this and not do that? But the reality is a sacrifice is placing something into God's hands so that he can make something of it. Because any sacrifice, because Jesus' sacrifice, he laid down his life for us and what did it? What did it create? It created peace between man and God. It reconciled man to God. It gave us relationship with God again. And ultimately, Jesus rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And And the Bible tells us, if you read this scripture on, that at, at the time, at some time, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So from that place of... Sacrifice, God has now exalted Jesus above all things. And so this is, think of your sacrifice in God's hands, anything is possible. The, the, um, the picture I love to use of this idea of sacrifice is, is the feeding of the 5,000. And the little boy brought his humble gift of, of five loaves and two fish, five barley loaves, which basically represents that he was very poor. Uh, And he gave it and he said, I give what I have and put it into your hands, Jesus. And from that place, Jesus was able to feed over 5,000 people. See, that's what our sacrifice can achieve. It's not about giving up stuff, but it's putting our stuff in God's hands so so that he can make something of it. Make it into what it was meant to be. The second thing is humility. We've talked about humility a lot. But humility is simply acknowledging our need for God, but also our need for others. It's acknowledging that I can't do this on my own. I need God's help. That God created me from the dust and without him, even his breath, I'm just dust. So I need to go back to him. And the last thing that Jesus did The last attitude that he had or mindset that he had was obedience. In other words, to do whatever God asks. These are the values. These are the values, church, that we should be striving for. Not not just in our relationship with God. We're not not only to do it with God, that, oh, God, I sacrifice for you and I'm humble before you and I obey you. No, these are the same attitudes we need to take into our relationships with each other. We need to have the same mindset as Christ had. So when we look at the person sitting next to us on the left and the right, we think, what am I sacrificing for them? Am I thinking of myself more highly than I ought? Am I realising that we're equal, we're on the same page here? How can I, how can I be obedient to God for them? Yeah, and it doesn't just stop with our relationships with each other though. As a church, we are committed to showing this type of mindset as well to our community. That's why every Wednesday night, every Friday night at Youth and every Wednesday night at Pop-Up, it's about humbling ourselves before our community and welcoming welcoming them in. And it costs something. There's sacrifice involved. Our time, our effort, our money, all those things. But we're being obedient to what God has asked us that we would love our community as he loves us. See, when we make these attitudes, the attitudes of sacrifice and humility and obedience, the thing that we value most, then it will affect the way we behave. I can guarantee you that when we humble ourselves, when we sacrifice and obedient to God, God's promise to us in his word is that he will give us grace. What is the grace? It's his enabling, it's his strength, that he will give us the strength to do it. Because let's be honest. Let's be absolutely honest. We cannot do this in our own strength. If you look at those one another's and each other's, you go, I might have a good day one day, but trust me, I'm not going to be doing that every day. But if we humble ourselves, if we sacrifice and obey God, have that mindset, this is what I value most, then eventually that will start to flow in our life more and more because he will give us the grace and the strength to do it i really believe church that we need to understand this today that if we make this our aim having these kind of relationships our aim that i really believe that god will be able to do what he wants to do for us as a church in this new season we need to acknowledge our need for god and each other in other words, we need to humble ourselves. We need to die to selfishness and live for others, sacrifice. And we need to do whatever God asks, no matter what. We need to be obedient. This was Jesus' example to us. In 1 John 3:16, he said, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another and then in his final command to his his disciples just before he was crucified he says in John 13:35 a new commandment i give you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another Now is the time for us to fight for what God has for us. But we do not wage this war the way the world does. The way we wage war is different. We wage war by pursuing the one another's. And we pursue the one another's by making sacrifice our goal, by making humility our goal, and by making obedience our goal. It's the only way we're going to do this. It's the only way the church should fight. By by taking on the mindset of Jesus. The mindset of sacrifice, humility and obedience. Let's pray. As you've got your heads bowed and your eyes closed, ready to pray, I'd just ask you to reflect on the the significance of relationships in your life. Maybe you're in a good place and your relationships are good. Maybe you're not in a great place and you've got fractured relationships and and maybe you feel on the outer, even in our church. Maybe your experience is not as nice as Hamish's as nice as that was and is. And I, I guess I, I pray that you'd understand our heart because we are human. We all make mistakes. And we want this place to be a safe place for all of us where we can practice these one another's and each other's and be a beacon of light to our community. So even, I guess, if this is a difficult Thing for you I just ask you to lay it in God's hands and give it to him sacrifice it to him put it in his hands and see what he can make some make of it but I do want to ask us to make a commitment and a prayer to make these things that we see on our sheet of paper a a goal and a name and an objective but even more significantly that we'd make sacrifice humility and obedience our mindset lord god i thank you for every person here thank you that you sent jesus to become one of us and in that moment we got to see what you're like that the truth is before us and we've got nothing to hide anymore because you've made yourself very obvious for everyone to see i pray that we would learn from jesus That we would learn his ways, the way of sacrifice, the way of humility, and the way of obedience. And that's, for all of us here, it might be, we're all at different places, but I pray that that would become a true reality for us. A reminder in our relationships with each other. And a reminder that our relationships with each other are an opportunity to experience you and an opportunity to show the world around us what you look like. Help us in this, God, I pray. Help us to have your mindset in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.